Why is it that with sparkling water, I'm always playing guessing games with what flavor I'm drinking? Is it citrus? Is it aluminum can flavored? Mm, not sure. Sparkling ice, though, they really mean flavor. Like in-your-face flavor. Orange mango, black raspberry. Don't even get me started on the strawberry lemonade. Kiwi Strawberry slid right into my taste buds DMs last night and let them know who's boss. No subtleties there and no sugar either. But it does have vitamins and antioxidants. Find sparkling ice at a major grocery store or club retailer near you. Sparkling ice. Anything but subtle. Welcome to this week's episode of the Bald Head Bible Podcast. And before we get into this week's story of Jonah, I do want to give a shout out to my son, Lincoln Katzian. He worked so hard editing the audio for me, uh, making me sound better than I actually am, removing a lot of ums and stuff like that. And he puts in a lot of time and a lot of effort. And I just want to say I love you, Lincoln, and I really appreciate everything you do for this podcast. Thanks so much. I wouldn't sound half as good without you. Feel free to email me at baldheadbible at gmail.com. That's baldheadbible at gmail.com. I'd love to hear any thoughts you have maybe for future episodes or how you are using this podcast or any questions you have about characters or stories from the Bible, that sort of thing. So make sure to email me if you have any questions at baldheadbible at gmail.com. For now, let's get right into this week's episode, Jonah, episode number three. Welcome to Baldhead Bible Podcast, making the Bible come to life, featuring the expository story preaching of Dr. John Katzian. So there was Jonah paddling in the water, seeing the boat heading off to Tarshish. And like I said, I don't think he cared. He was so angry at God at this point. I think he was trying to kill himself when he said, just throw me overboard. Just just end it. I'm done. I don't want to go talk to the Ninevites. I don't even want to save these sailors on this boat. I wonder if he had second thoughts, you know, as he's sitting there in the water and he's bobbing him up and down. And he's like, well, maybe I'll start to paddle towards shore. Maybe he could see shore way off in the distance. He probably couldn't see anything right there in the middle of the Mediterranean. But then he saw a dun -un. big shadow underneath him. dun -un. Then he saw another shadow. Dun, 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 dun. And then he might have seen a fin. Here comes a fin and it begins to circle around him. And he's like, this is a shark. I do not want this. I don't want to end being eaten by a shark. And then all of a sudden, maybe the shark's getting closer. And then he looks down and he sees this massive shadow go under him. The shark goes quickly away. He's like, whew, whatever that was underneath me, I'm glad it was there, I think. And then he starts to swim away, just keeps swimming, keeps paddling, you know, starts to swim. And, well, that shark's gone. 
whatever that fish is below me and he starts to maybe do the front crawl to try to get to the shore and then he does the breaststroke and then he gets on his back because he's getting tired you know maybe after one or two hours of this and gets on his back and just floats breathing up and he looks over he maybe he can't see the shore at all stuck here in the middle of the mediterranean it says in Jonah chapter 2, this is where we're at, Jonah chapter 2, that Jonah begins to sink. In verse 3, he casts him into the deep. And it talks about in chapter 2, verse 3, how the waves began to pass over him. And I can imagine he's he's swimming and he's starting to get tired and then he's starting to, to lose buoyancy and he's starting to go under a little bit. And then he comes to the top, I don't want to die just yet. Maybe I can make it to shore. And then he starts to go under the water and he comes back up. <coughs> if I could just make it. And then he goes under. He goes under. You can see the top of the water as he sinks farther and farther and farther down. It says he went all the way, all the way to the bottom where it says the weeds were wrapped around his head. It says the waters closed over him. Verse 5, the weeds were wrapped around his head. It says he was at the roots of the mountain. And he's starting there. He's probably thinking, this is it. I'm starting to run out of water. I can't talk, you know, and he's... And he's got his last breath and he talks about in Jonah chapter two is he knows he is about to die. He can't breathe. And then it says that, that is when he remembers the Lord. Jonah chapter two, verse seven, when my life was fainting away at the bottom, about to run out of air. Then it says, I remembered the Lord. When my life was fainting away, I remembered the Lord. It was when Jonah came to the end of his rope. In fact, he was so far away from the end of the rope, he wasn't even holding on to it. He couldn't even hang on. That's how far down the rope he was. He was about to die. And then he remembers God says and then i remembered my lord it all of a sudden woke him up what am i doing i'm at the end of my rope there's nothing else i can do i don't want to die yet then he calls out to god and at that moment when jonah's about to run out of air jonah gets swallowed by a great fish. Now it's interesting in Jonah chapter 2, right? It says, just as he's about to die, he calls out to God. Just as he's about to die, he calls out to God. And it says in Jonah chapter 1, verse 17. It wasn't just random luck that a fish just happened to be there. No. It says in verse 17, and the Lord appointed 
a great fish to swallow up Jonah just as he's about to die. <laughs> Jonah finds himself in the belly of a whale. Well, actually, it probably wasn't a whale. It says in the Bible, in Jonah, a great fish. And we know many people think, well, it could have been a sperm whale. Well, a couple problems with that. Sperm whales aren't really in the Mediterranean Ocean. And number two, the stomach of a sperm whale has four chambers. The first chamber is for crushing the fish. The second chamber, if you make it through that, just bombarded with acid. The stomach is not conducive for living for three days and three nights. Some people think it might have been a great white shark or something like that. But the problem with a great white shark or a big dogfish is that there is so much what we call methane or you might know as farty smell or farty gas in the stomach of that thing that <gasps> you can't breathe methane. All that farty gas in there would have killed Jonah. He would have been able to breathe. So this great fish, it had to have two things. A mouth big enough to swallow a man and a belly where Jonah could breathe. And that's why I honestly believe, I think God, it says there, he appointed a great fish. I believe that God created a special fish for that right moment, for that right time to take care of Jonah. Too many people get caught up on, was it a whale? Could a fish really swallow a man? Is that possible? I don't see how that could be possible. Well, there is historically some story about a man and a fish that could have been. Well, what type of fish was it? And I think they missed the point. Don't focus on the great fish, but rather focus on the great God behind the fish. That's the point. Think about this God who hurled a storm to make Jonah do what he wants him to do. When Jonah was thrown into a raging sea, all of a sudden the sea is clear as glass. When Jonah is sinking down and then all of a sudden cries out to God, I need your help. God miraculously provides a fish that he can live in, he can breathe. He provided the fish again. Don't focus on the great fish, but rather focus on the great God who can create a fish at a moment's notice to take care of his servant. I can imagine there's Jonah, a fish. I wonder what that must have been like. Incredibly dark. In fact, in Jonah chapter 2, he, he talks about how he thought he had died. He thought he had gone down to Sheol. He thought his life was over. You can imagine it's dark. He's thinking, I can breathe. Is this the afterlife? It's sort of squishy. You can imagine he pokes the side of the fish and maybe the fish shakes and he's like, whoa. And then the fish goes up and the air pressure goes up. And he's like, oh, this is, you know, and then he goes down and then his ears start to pop and the pressure of the water. I think it all of a sudden dawned on him. I'm inside of something. 
And maybe again, he's poking the stomach. It's squishy. Pulls off some seaweed. And maybe there's other little fish in there. And he's like, I'm inside a fish. And I think it dawned on Jonah where he was. And it's interesting. When he is in the belly of that fish, that's when he begins to pray. And Jonah chapter 2 is mainly a long prayer. It's in poetic form. And it's Jonah just, first of all, thanking God for saving him. It's interesting. Throughout this prayer, Jonah peppers verses from the Psalms throughout. Jonah, in the middle of his greatest distress, prayed back scripture to God. He just thanks God for what he has done for him. For the next three days, he's inside this belly and he's got a lot to think about. And it's got to be scary. Again, it's dark. You don't know what's happening. Air pressure changing. What's in that stomach with you, you know? But at the same time, his main thought is, thank you, God. Thank you for all that you've done for me. Thank you for saving me. And he recounts, I went down to the bottom of the ocean but yet you rescued me. The waters closed in over me. I went down to the land whose bars are closed upon me forever. Yet you brought up my life from the pit, O Lord my God. When my life was fainting away, I remembered you. And my prayer came up to your holy temple. He thanks God for saving him. But then at the end of his prayer, Jonah says something really important. He says that those who pursue vain, empty idols, they're missing out on the mercies of God. He basically says those who pursue other gods are losing out on the love God has to offer. He says, I will pay my vows. I will offer my sacrifices. One version of the Bible, the message, it says it so well. Those who worship hollow gods, God frauds, walk away from their only true love. Jonah ends his prayer saying, I'm not going to worship hollow gods. I'm not going to worship these other god frauds. I am not going to walk away from my only true love. And he ends with this. He says, but I will Honor my sacrifice to you. Verse 9, what I have vowed, I will pay. And then the whole prayer ends with salvation belongs to the Lord. You know what's interesting? It took Jonah about to die for him to wake up and realize, I'm a fool. I'm a fool. I need to follow God. What am I doing? And I want to encourage you, don't be like Jonah where you have to come to the end of your rope and to the end of the end of the end of that rope. Don't come to the point where your life is so tragically messed up that you all of a sudden realize all these other idols, all these other things I've been chasing, I've been missing out on my one true love throughout all. That's God. And specifically, that's Jesus. He died on the cross for my sin. Why have I been rejecting him? Why have I been pushing him off? And if you're a Christian, why have I been rejecting his call in my life? Why have I been running away from his will for me 
and it took something tragic. Don't be that way. Follow him early if you're young. You know, choose to follow Jesus early. If you're listening to this, you're 8, 9, or 10, say, you know what? I want to commit my life to following Jesus now. If you do that, you're going to save yourself from a world of hurt. If you're older, 20, 30, 40, and you've been going down a path that's leading you to things that have always caused you pain and suffering, I'd encourage you, stop. Jonah did. He says, why have I been facing and following these hollow gods, these God frauds, when I could have been going towards my one true love, towards Jesus? Stop doing what you know you shouldn't be doing and start following him. And Jonah prays, salvation belongs to the Lord. And I think when Jonah prayed that, the end of that third day, can imagine Jonah maybe is standing up, I think, or maybe he's laying down. Maybe it's a small stomach, like a coffin-style stomach, enough for him to breathe, but only enough for him to lay down. Or maybe it was a massive fish where he could stand up and he's hanging onto the sides, maybe grabbing a rib as the fish goes down and around and up and back down again. But I think the minute he says, salvation belongs to the Lord, he then feels... The sides go whoop, whoop. Jonah's like whoop, and he's pushed all the way back, whoop, and he goes forward a little bit forward, then whoop, he's pushed back all the way, and then whoop, blah, blah. It says in Jonah chapter 2, verse 10, the Lord spoke to the fish, and it ugh, vomited Jonah out upon dry land. It says in Jonah chapter 1, verse 17, that God appointed this fish. When Jonah had learned his lesson, God said, All right, fish, let's puke my prophet out. And blah, blah, out comes Jonah. Now, again, maybe he's thrown into some shallow water. Maybe he stands up and he, he's like, I could see shore. And then maybe he stumbles towards it and he sees this massive fish wiggle away and he starts to walk towards that beach now it's interesting they say that when jonah was in the belly of the fish that there probably was acidic gastrous things that break down fish and other things and some people believe that jonah must have looked pretty frightening at this point Stomach acids of that amount probably would have peeled away some skin. Definitely would have peeled off some hair. And they think that Jonah might have looked completely albino, completely pale, scary white, you know, no hair. And as he's standing there coming out of the fish, I think Jonah looks back at the sea. Then he looks up at God and he repeats that phrase, salvation is from the Lord. Yahweh, salvation is from Yahweh. I don't know why you want to send me to the Assyrians. I don't know why you want to send me to the Ninevites. But I'm going to go. If this is what God has called me to do, I'm going to go. And so Jonah heads out. The strange looking prophet vomited out by a fish 
but with thankfulness in his heart that God had rescued him. And he's got a will and a plan for his life. And the interesting thing is I think Jonah was vomited out right where, probably near where he began, right near Joppa, somewhere along that Mediterranean coast. But you know what's also interesting? is It says in Matthew chapter 12, verse 40, Matthew chapter 12, verse 40, that the Pharisees came to Jesus and said, we wish to see some sign from you. And Jesus predicts his coming crucifixion and his coming resurrection from the dead. It says in Matthew chapter 12, verse 39, but he answered them, an evil and adulterous generation seeks for a sign, but no sign will be given to it except the sign of the prophet Jonah. Verse 40, for just as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of the great fish, so will the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. And it's interesting, later on the disciples were shocked by what you died and then you rose again. The, the, the whole death on a Friday resurrected on a Sunday. They, they never saw it coming, but here Jesus cryptically I don't even know if I would have picked up on it, but he uses Jonah. Jonah was in the belly of that fish for three days and three nights. I'm going to be dead in the heart of the earth for three days and three nights. Then I'm going to rise again. And God's condemning the Pharisees because essentially he's saying, you know what? Jonah, he went and preached to the Ninevites. He went and preached this good news to the Gentiles. And, and here you are rejecting this Messiah and, and rejecting what I'm giving you. You should know better. Jonah learned and he said, you know what? How can I reject the love of this God, Yahweh? All other gods are shallow in comparison. And I want to encourage you, Jesus died on the cross for your sin. He died on a Friday. They pierced his side to prove he was dead, and then they buried him. And all his disciples ran because they thought Jesus was dead, and he was dead. But then Jesus, just like Jonah, three days and three nights in the belly of the whale, Jesus, three days later, conquered death, rose from the dead, and is now seated at the right hand of God in power. Jesus proved, hey, I'm God. So when I say I am the way, the truth, and the life, no man comes to the Father but through me, you can believe me. Why? Look at the resurrection. Look what happened there. I am God. What are you going to do with it? Are you going to believe me and realize the love I have for you, that I died on that cross for your sin that you deserve? I died for you. That's how much love I have for you. And I prove that I'm God by rising again. Are you going to follow me, the one true God, Jesus? Are you going to continue pursuing these vain idols? Follow me. Well, Jonah, he heads out. This goofy, scary-looking prophet, he's like, all right, I've learned my lesson. I'm going to go to Nineveh. And uh, what happens? What's in store for Jonah? 
Well, if you join us next week, we're going to continue with the story of Jonah in Jonah chapter 4 and the exciting things that God uses Jonah to help bring the Ninevites back to him. Baldhead Bible Podcast is created by Dr. John Katzian. Music composed and performed by Elijah Katzian. Edited by Lincoln Katzian. If you'd like to listen to more of Baldhead Bible Podcast, please subscribe. New episodes added every week. 